0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Take 10 for a Torah number 780. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at rabbi Ismach at take10fortorah.org. Today's 10 is sponsored by Mark and Ellen Newman, Le'illy Nishmas, Ariel Yitzchak Newman, Ariel Yitzchak bin Meir. In addition, sponsored Le'illy Nishmas, Mark's parents, Ruspas Avraham, Yosef bin Avraham Yechiel, all of which either your site today or they're in the year of Avelos. In the Torah, we learn, be for their neshamos. So we have, of course, the season of Elul and Rosh Hashanah upon us. Lichos are going to be this week. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But we have the general notion of tshuva, that we're expected in this time of year to change. And so I want to discuss what is the actual expectation, and what really, from on high, is the expectation when we think about change and changing our lives and making decisions when it comes to the behavior that we are involved in every single day. So we say in Ne'ilah, the final closing prayer of the Yom Kippur service, Atay yad you give a hand to those who have transgressed, and your right hand is extended to receive those who truly repent. And so This extended hand, right, so the the metaphor of the extended hand, of course, is the person who's flailing, who's stuck somewhere, there's a hand extended. That implies that there's going to be help from the outside. I want to talk about the nature of that help. What is the help? that is given to us. This idea of God's hand as extended in the process of chuva we find in other places as well. In Pirkei Rabbi Lezer it says, God's hand is always extended. Not only Elul, not only Rosh Hashanah season, not only Yom Kippur, but God's hand is always extended and he wants us to return. And as we say in Unasanatokev, the God's always ready and ready with that hand outstretched. So it's that imagery that I wanted to describe and I want to discuss today. The Gemara Yuma says, Kadola Chuva Nasalo An amazing thing that when you do chuva, when you do repent, your history doesn't not only not count, meaning the idea that things that you did bad, it's not only that you know, those things don't count against you anymore, but they actually turn into shigogos. They It's as if you did all of those things that you did on purpose accidentally. And then the Gara continues to say that if you have a tshuva miyava, if you do a tshuva of the highest level, so all of your history turns into zechuyos, merit. It's the history that got you to where you are. And that history, therefore, is credited to you as something which is good. Which, therefore, is step one in understanding how the hand is outstretched. Right? We consider our past to be something that we can't overcome. We think it's just we are who we are. And these notions of the act of tshuva, the act of change, completely reinterpreting the things that we've done in the past... Offer us an outstretched hand to be able to consider the possibility of change. Now the Gemara says a few uh, areas also where the hand is extended and things are made to be easier. But think about this from a practical perspective. The Gemara and Sota says, Why is it that tefila, uh you know, just prayer is done quietly. Like, why aren't we yelling from the rooftops? Why aren't we screaming out tefillah? So the Goran says in Sotodaf, Lamid beis, and beis, vayesh es ovri avera." in order to not embarrass, to shame ovri avera those who commit sin. There is no difference between the chatas and the ola. The khatas and the ola were two carbonas which were brought, and they were brought in the same spot, and nobody would know if it was brought as a chatas, which was representative of a sin that I had done, or an ola, which could be for a variety of other reasons. They were both done in the same place. Nobody would know that you were a transgressor. Right? There's a social element to sin, and we don't want other people to know exactly what it is that we may have done wrong. And so therefore, we have sort of the cover-up of these two things being done in the same exact space because you should not know who it is. Like Gemara says from there, or what the person has done. So that's why we dive in in secret. We dive in in quiet, Rashi explains. Sheyadam, Omer adam uh, We say are davening quietly. Why? So that people who are being mesvadeh, people who are admitting sins that they have done in their prayer, so that nobody should know what they're doing. And that's why the entirety of tefillah is quiet for that reason. Again, another allowance for those, uh, an extended hand, so to speak, for those who might have a hard time, uh, doing uh, doing the right thing. So we give that opportunity of the quiet davening so that they can uh, be able to you know, uh, say what they need to say. Mishnah Mishnah Chazavos talks about the same thing. It says that uh, when they used to daven in the Bes um, HaMikdash, when they used to come all together, somehow it was all squishy, and then when they bowed down to, to pray, somehow there was enough space. So, I mean, why was it important to have enough space? Yes, it's a fire hazard, you know, exits, etc., things like that. But Rashi explains over there in Perkei hey, Mishnah, hey, Kodesh Yishma Echad Tfilas Chavira. That's the reason, so that one person would not hear the prayer of the other, meaning there's a certain privacy that is required for a person to do chuva. My issues are my issues, they're not your issues, my issues are, are unique to me, and it's not something that I'd like to share with you. And that, even though one might say, but what do you mean? We all have to do the same right thing. No, 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 there's a subjectivity. There's a, uh, a balance that has to be struck between a person's privacy and their motivation to be able to change. And so those allowances are made and that's an expression of the extended hand. Me'iri points out, Same idea as the Shmon the reason our prayer isn't quiet. We do that silently. And it's the same reason that people had space so that nobody else would hear them. There's an interesting Gemara about the Tshuva, the famous repentance of the city of Ninveh and the story of Jonah. And so there it says that by Anche Ninveh, uh, uh, the actions of Ninve, the, when their repentance was so overwhelming, it doesn't say that you know their sackcloth and their fasting was what was noticed by God. And and they they returned from their actual deeds. They didn't just do the trappings of tshuva. They made it themselves look dramatic, but rather they actually changed. What's the example that the Gemara gives? The Gemara in says what they did was something was a filu gozal nairish ubano bibira mikaakaka habira kula umaximer zbalov what is that an incredible example of chuva that they did one which is beyond beyond what is actually expected of us, which leads us to another example of the extended hand. What are we talking about? The Gemara Bava says that a person who steals wood, right, if you steal things, so pretty much if you take wood and you turn it into, I don't know, a chair, so you don't have to return to the wood anymore because the guy didn't necessarily want the chair. At that point, it's your wood, and you owe the person that you stole from the value of the wood, okay? So that's that's uh, that's the general rule. If you've changed the thing, you no longer have to return the thing. But, let's say I didn't change the thing. Let's say I steal a beam from you, and I build that beam into my house. So now it's a fixture in the home, and it's sitting right there, and it's visible. Everybody walks in and sees the beam. Maybe it even has the previous person's name on it. So technically you should have to replace the beam as is. You have to take the beam out, and you have to give it back to the owner. Says the Gemara, okay, that in, um, uh, a no a notion of a rule which is created for those who want to do tshuva, that tells us that only the money should be paid. Beis Shami disagrees, but Beis Hillel says that you only have to go and pay back the money if it's sitting right there. Beis Shami says he's going to deconstruct the house and take out that beam, because that's the technical rule. Beis Hillel says, no, absolutely not. No one's ever going to do tshuva if you expect so much from them. Yimna milasos tshuva, Rashi says. And so because of that idea, the hand is extended, Again, to make things not too hard, to make it a little bit more private, to make it something that a person can tolerate, to make it a a, a process which a person can actually swallow. Okay? The Gmarin Gittin discusses the same, and this is what the people of Nineveh did. They even... Their level of tshuva was so high that they even deconstructed their homes to be able to return the beams that they would otherwise not have had to because of this notion of takanas ha This idea of takanas ha is really important. The Gemara tells a story about a woman whose husband stole everything they had. And the husband says, you know, I want to go and, uh, and do tshuva. I want to repent and I want to change and I want to return everything that I stole. And famously, what does she say to the guy? She says to her husband, if you do that, If you do that, your belt itself, your belt itself is not even yours, and therefore your pants are going to fall down. So you can't possibly return all this stuff. And guess what? He didn't. And so this idea of the overwhelmingness of change, the Chazal wanted to make the point that in very discreet and specific areas, a person does not have to go overboard in what they do to change. Maybe, specifically, should not go overboard. They should understand that this is our own personal moment of reflection. It's not something for outside consumption. That was uh, method A to make it easier. Method B to make it easier to extend that hand, that hand that is available to us every single day, is also for us to realize that we're not supposed to go overboard. The notion of going overboard, to be able to change everything all at once, is completely damaging and destructive. No one can do that. No one could do that, and so much so that we are actually told one should not do that. If you're Ninve, you know, if you're at that crisis state, maybe that's what is expected of you. But Ninve is the exception, not the rule. So let's remember, all we're looking to do is something a little bit better than what we did before. We're not looking to change everything. Have a great day.